Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research, and very probably the first and last ever music podcast ever on Pyogenesis's 1995 album, Twin Ale Blood. You think? Uh, yeah, I haven't verified that, but I'm pretty sure we're the first. And, and I can't imagine, like, no matter how successful this episode is, that <laughs> anyone will ever do another one. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be made into a movie. <laughs> it's the new Beatles, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who plays Flo? <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, we need to give immense appreciation to George Katianis, a listener from Greece, who answered our call for MP3 files of the super early Pyogenesis stuff that you'll hear on this episode. Uh, we're going to definitely get into some pre-Twin Blood stuff first. Also a correction. In the opening of our previous episode, I mentioned that a listener told us Hunter's voice sounds like David Foster Wallace. Uh, I got the listener's name wrong. His name is Andrew Brooks. A listener, and this, this shows how awesome some of our listeners are, asked if that was the New York Times David Brooks. And I was like, I have no freaking idea. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thanks for that. Thanks for the alert, Jim. And uh, Andrew Brooks is his name. I stand corrected. I owe you a beer, a kombucha, or whatever you like to drink. So, Hunter, I'm guessing you don't have a story about your grandma Wheezy and Pow Genesis, but if you do, share it maybe once we get into Twin Hill Blood, huh? Okay, happy to. All right. <laughs> I can't wait to see what relative got you into this crazy. <laughs> it's, it's hard to know where to start with Pyogenesis. I, I think a lot of people forget that they were, their early, early stuff was basically, what would you call it, carcass inspired? Sure. Yeah. It's, I, maybe one day we can do a show on all the bands that began as like carcass inspired and then evolved into other things. Well, I mean, Zisma from Finland is a great sure. example. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Some napalm death there too, of course. Yeah. And um, I would say that's more marked by the low vocals of one Tim Asmodeus than anything else. Tim Asmodeus. Yes. <laughs> I really like the fact that they had stage names earlier, which I guess is like a kind of an homage to black metal as well, despite the fact that they were like heavily, heavily indebted to, to death metal and, and death grind at the time. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, if you look at the, like the artwork and the spiky logo and the kind of like the evil sort of drawings on the, on the early demo and the seven inches, like, yeah, they were kind of drawn from that whole black metal, death metal thing. Not a lot of thrash maybe, but certainly like no. on the edge of that quote unquote extreme of, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. Right. I kind of want to jump right in and listen to something from their first demo, their only real demo from July 1991. It's called Ode to the Churning Seas of Narmataru. Six songs, and it has a, a little track on it called Considering the Majesty of Doom. <laughs> Great title. It really is. And we're going to consider the majesty of doom, and then we're <laughs> going to jump right into the Sacrificious Profanity 7-inch and play a song off that one immediately thereafter. I guess that represents the next session uh, that they would do. And that's a song called Low Land of Impiety. So here we go. Germany's pyogenesis in their earliest form. Oh, my God. 
Menschen. Das ist ein Hell, der will die Feelings, die Füße sind ein Fastwerk. Der Eindruck folgt der Garten-Fighters. This must be my mind's deliver to them. Life is my own vision. Das ist ein Hell, der will die Feelings. Uh, lowland of impiety personally i'm more of a highlands kind of a guy <laughs> i find the lowlands of impiety to be arid unappealing i, I get you brother but I, i'm i just don't care as long as there's impiety involved oh yeah i mean right yeah on balance sure yeah you know <laughs> so sometimes i lose uh sight of the big picture <laughs> right. come on man well, you know it, i think it's it's telling that we mentioned when talking about the carcass influence on um on uh considering like that we we mentioned Sisma and Finland, but like I hear a lot of early Finnish death metal in that as well. That well, really dark interred kind of sound. Well I was gonna say demolage vocally because I was sitting here thinking yeah. okay this this was like ninety one, ninety two, at least for Lowland. Uh considering the majesty of Doom is just there's not much to say about it other than it's just, you know, it's formative. But but that's where the vocals dip super low. I don't think they Tim was always low, Tim Asmodeus, the one of two vocalists that they ever had. Um, but he never gets as low as he does on that. <laughs> no, not even close. And and what I was sitting here trying to think was okay, 91, who else was getting that low? First first thing that came to mind was like John Tardy. He wasn't low, but he was he was very inhuman now. Literal, yeah. Yeah, and I think there must have been some obituary influence because they predate early pyogenesis and then sure. certainly Demolich. Yeah, sure. But this, well, and too, a lot of you know, a lot of the the Finnish. God, keep going back to Finland because I, I just keep go back to Finland. Finland man. I keep hearing Finland in this, but like a lot of the fin, Finnish bands too, sort of trended mid tempo, like you know, early Convulse and Abhorrence, um, yeah, uh, Ripicolo, and I mean, I, I think certainly that all those bands were paying attention to Obituary, you know, who who tended to you know trawl the the mid tempo spectrum a little more than most of the death metal bands of the day for sure for sure i mean they were yeah they were to death metal what i think yeah. celtic frost was too yeah, exactly exactly you know, i guess what we'll call thrash but frost are generally not easy to define yeah so that so that's interesting stuff uh, i think there's a market improvement from one song to the other i mean lowland has has them kind of tightening up and honing in just about every department well, and it has that Gregor Macintosh wandering guitar over the top of it. Aha. We knew that any show about pyogenesis, unless you're talking about their pop punk periods, um, <laughs> uh, would, would have something to do with the Peaceville 3, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. And I think we'll get into that a little more. I heard also some phlebotomized encrypted Kerberos in terms of like peers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. The use of the synthesizer um, is very, very phlebotomized. Yeah. Famously, they landed on Osmos who were signing bands like Immortal, Marduk, Impaled Nazarene, yes. Mystifier, Rotting Christ. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. I don't think anybody listening to this show, we need to really talk much about Osmos and how legendary that is. But they landed on Osmos and came out with the Ignis Creatio EP, also self-titled EP if you if you like. And is it fair to say, like we're we're gonna jump ahead a little bit, but is it fair to say like no band ever went through the evolutionary arc as Pow Genesis did that was ever on Osmos in the very beginning? <laughs> yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, we don't talk about Immortals pop punk period. No. No, man, dude, Necromancia's Green Day album. <laughs> that- Remember when Abbott started listening to Blink one eighty two? Blash Rick, I live. Yeah. So yeah, it was still burning fire from that Osmos EP. They, they they had reached yet another level, and I and I think it's important that we're playing the early stuff for you because Hunter and I actually originally talked about uh, doing an entire episode on Twin L Blood only, but then we started talking and thinking that like maybe the the context would not be there because this is going to be a tough album to sell anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Well, yeah, no, I I think this is a, an instance where we have to provide some kind of background and context. Because yeah. there's really nothing else quite like Twin Ale Blood, but I really feel like if you listen to Pyogenesis and if you go back, if you're curious enough, you you need that foundation to really appreciate Twin Ale Blood. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never played Twin Ale Blood for somebody, almost no matter what their musical preferences are, without context, I guess. Right. Right? It's one of those, that it's helped in context. Oh, yeah. It's the fire that keeps you warm 
holds me tight and puts me right against the fire that burns in me. Hell yeah, boy. Yep. I mean, I just feel like there's so much in that snippet right there. They're starting to actually like build their arrangements in, in a way that we couldn't have seen on that earlier stuff, right? No. No. And I, I think that's about as confident as we ever hear Tim as a death metal vocalist, too. He Great sounds point. really, really settled into that role in this song. Great point. Yeah, it's true. Because uh, he's a little bit of a... Would Bugaboo be a, a dumb word to use? <laughs> no. Um, and, and we'll hear it actually in a couple of tracks when we play something off Sweet X-Rated Nothings, where Tim's voice becomes more of a, shall we say, acquired taste. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Thank you. Now, well, let's listen to those too, because uh, we wanted to get to the, you know, this is the run-up. This is not the show. Uh, we got to get to Twin Old Blood. But let's listen to In the End. This is, they did a second EP after the first one. Uh, and then finally did a uh, an album. The EP was called Waves of Eurotasia, and then the album was Sweet X-Rated Nothings. And this all came out within about a year of each other, so they were pretty prolific early on. The first song that we're going to listen to part of is called In the End, and then from the full length, uh, a song called Fade Away. Pleasure real, or 
Is it only what I feel? Am I lost in the sky? Like a useless bitch I cry And you shoulder my eyes into tears Each day I dream I have to fear Now I'm here to take a stand I've got your mind in my hands had a severe constipation problem <laughs> okay so acquired taste i mean think about considering in lowland and then still burning fire like this guy was just moving and moving and moving and um i would say in the end he's pretty formidable oh yeah very much so still on that one and that ep also has flow coming in to play a significant role more than he did in the past in terms of clean vocals and then on sweet x-rated nothings we hear tim we just kind of made fun of him a little bit but we do it with love we do. We love you, Tom. And, and um, Flo there, I, th- I see what happens, I think, is Flo becomes better than Tim at some point. At, at this, well, I mean, Flo becomes more necessary at this point. You know, like Tim can only Tim, – Tim provides a certain function of the band at this point, I think. But, like, they, their music started to become – hookier um i think there's a obviously a typo negative uh influence there in fact thomas pasquale i believe wrote uh brash bits on pyogenesis during this era um and they went on record as saying that like they would love to tour with typogenesis they were uh, uh, typogenesis Ah! (laughs) 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 might as well be yes um, that they would love to tour with uh, Typo Negative. They were huge fans of their music. You can clearly hear that. But like, the fact is, they started to focus as much on you know, writing hooks as, you know, as making really, really heavy music. And flow um, becomes a more crucial component of the sound in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So that's, that's all what 91, 92, 93, 94. 94. Yeah. That's four years. And I think that's a pretty, pretty quick progression and evolution. Yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah, it's impressive. It's considerable and, it, and it's enjoyable. I, I, you know, this, all this stuff is really good. I think almost to illustrate <laughs> what twin L blood is in their catalog somewhat is kind of to look at the aesthetics up to this point like their early stuff all this early stuff is like about waves and blurs and haze and cathedrals and altars and surrealism in in a sense in in, on the um the seven inch and you know yeah it's just like all of that and then twin ale blood comes out with an album cover of like 50s pulp paperback (laughs) like crime pulp paperback yeah aesthetically that's just a huge shift 
is indicative of the shift in the music too. But it's also not that abrupt because, you know, they really showed this face uh, on Sweet X-Rated Nothings, I'd say for the first real time. Right. So let's get into it. Let's get into Twin Old Blood. We're going to play the first two songs, a track that I think both Hunter and I just have a personal connection with and also a friendship because I I remember listening to this driving back to your house in Savannah at one point. Do you remember that drive, that beautiful drive? There's like a I do. Um, there was also, we listened to this another time um, when we were driving up to Blacksburg to eat the French fry pita. This turned out to be a better choice than Into the Pandemonium at that point. <laughs> as much as yeah. we love Into the Pandemonium, and, you know, uh, spoiler alert, to use an old 2016 phrase, um, <laughs> we are going to do Radical Research 50. That's going to be the complete and utter dissection of Into the Pandemonium. So if you can hang around that long. <laughs> yeah, you've got your loins, listeners. Anyway, so yeah, Undead opens the album. We can't say enough good things about it. It's wonderful. Um, then we'll jump to a very telling song, the, uh, the title track, and then we'll, we'll discuss. Yes. There is no long countdown. There is no backup. Now or never, here it comes.
First off, man, it's very German. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The the whimsy and the uh, collision of influences is seems to be indigenously German. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. So you and I were kind of borderline disparaging, Tim. Um, but, you know, listening to this, and Tim really, like, does some pretty decent work on this. Um, and his evolution reminds me a little bit of Nick Holmes in terms uh, of being a death metal vocalist and then moving into something, you know, more mainstream. He's a little, obviously, less able-bodied than Nick as a clean vocalist, but still. Yeah, I hear that. And Nick went through a time of, like, sounding a little uncomfortable. I, I like him through all those eras. Uh, but like, yeah, like Shades of God, maybe? Yeah, even Icon, like he, yeah, he sounded yeah. a little too Hetfield because there's only one Hetfield at that time. And then, um, but he sounded like he was getting somewhere and, and then he did, you know. And the other thing about the song Twin Oblood that we just listened to is like, I always attribute like all the more melodic pop punk stuff for lack of for way better words. Um, I always attribute that to Flo, but Tim really carries that song. Yeah, he does. He's actually kind of melodic and, and you know, it's it's a little silly and if you look at it a certain way, but I don't know. I like it. We like it. No excuses. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, it, right now, I feel like I should buy you a beer and ask you how you got into fighting. <laughs> okay, man. The inside jokes. People just aren't going to get that. Unless they've seen the amazing Metallomania documentary. Surely we've mentioned this by now. We have. We, we definitely have. And I, and I think everybody needs to go see it because it's just Watch it. awesome. It's awesome. What do you think uh, about Rwanda? <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then Undead, I, we didn't even hear the part that I like so much. There's a, like a modulation and uh, they pick up, they kind of double time it. And there's that great lyric, like all ends here. Nothing's like it was before. Lost my will to live and lost all I adore. I think is Yeah, it. that is an awesome part. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, as per our sort of usual thing, like we urge listeners who might be turned on by that to, to go out and check it out themselves. It's uh, the, the full song is, you know, what it's all about. And you mentioned the guitar tone. Oh, the guitar tone. We need to talk about the guitar tone. I, I think listening to all of this stuff so far, I think anybody can tell that they were always pretty spot on with having this fucking fat, badass, throbbing guitar tone. Yes. And Twin of Blood has a, probably the best tone of any Power Genesis record, in my opinion. I don't know what, what you think about probably that. Probably the best. Well, no, it has the best overall production of any Power Genesis record. Yeah, true. True. Even like Unpop is kind of thin, you know. Unpop is thin. We'll get to Unpop very briefly later, but um, yeah, this is where the, this is where they peaked in kind of a lot of areas, anyway. Um, so some great guitar tones. We're going to hear more of that in this song called "Weeping Sun." We're actually this is one of my favorites, man. 
This is one of your favorites. I, I love it too. Uh, we're going to follow it by every single day. A, another sort of like a bit of a left turn or radical shift here. We're going to do it. Weeping sun and every single day.
regard to Weeping Sun, I do have to ask one question. It, yeah. Is an erection ever truly useless? <laughs> <laughs> they, they do seem to always serve, serve some sort of purpose. I, I mean, I figured you could always find something to do with an erection. Right. I mean, yeah. Or just let it run its course. Right. Yeah. You know, while you're sleeping. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to have to mark this one explicit, son. <laughs> Parental advisory. <laughs> no, Weeping Sun is a little poppier uh, in that spot. I, there's something about it, though, that still makes sense connected to what we heard before. And I feel like it's the, the most cooperative that you ever hear Flo and Tim. I feel like they're feeding off each other in that song in a really, really cool way. Yes. Uh, and they're like, they're both equally important, you know? Well, they're in tandem. They're kind of in tandem right. where it used to be kind of like good cop, bad cop. <laughs> That's kind of a terrible way to like talk about this, this great art, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, but it, it, yeah, it is typically like stratified. Like they, they really, yeah. really are working together. Like, I, like that song wouldn't have the same effect if it didn't have both vocals. Great point. And then we got to look at every single day, which to me yeah. is a flow highlight as well as a guitar tone highlight. I, you know, the guitarist just sort of like kind of slung low back there and just kind of like, it sounds almost fretless in its fluidity, right? Yeah. It, well, it, it almost kind of recontextualizes the melancholy of the early stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. And this new, like more refined, more kind of hook laden sound. Yeah. And Flow Takes Charge, I really like them a lot on there. Even these two songs, like, they're, you can tell this is kind of moving toward the brighter side of their new sound. But you, you think of the Peaceville 3, Anathema, My Dying Bride, and Paradise Lost. And Paradise Lost and Anathema both went really far out from their origins, the way Pyogenesis are here. Um, there was definitely always more of a brighter aspect to Pyogenesis, though. Yes. That we never heard in the Peaceville 3, even at their most, you know, even at Paradise Lost host. Or I guess Anathema just kind of continued to move you know, yeah, they, forward with their streamlining. Um, and that w one part in um, every single day, that, that weird vocal moment with Flo, um, to me that anticipates Sim like Arcturus era Simon, like on Archaic mm -hmm. Chorus or even Arcturian. Some of his Can we not bring up Simon or Arcturian? Because I'm going to talk for like three hours about how great that album is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you don't want to hear it <laughs> you know i i haven't thought of that and i asked you while we were listening to that actually you know because we kind of listen as we play you know kind of real time i guess and um i asked you do you have a reference point for that because i was thinking like cranberries you know? oh what? wow okay yeah i mean i guess any just the vocal just the vocal phrasing sort of the texture of it i guess sure sure that's a really cool point and and who knew i never thought about Simon and the Cranberries having anything in common, but I think well, I think Simon definitely has something akin to her. He's a very interesting vocalist, perhaps a, an episode in the future because he's he's I'd say he's underrated actually. Oh, I would say that too. And uh, if I may say another word about Arcturian, one of the best metal vocal performances of all time. I will stand by it to the grave. So, Hunter, how did you get into Pyogenesis? Like, what was your introduction? Uh, the the back cover of Metal Maniacs. <laughs> you um, always say that. What? I mean, seriously, like Relapse, <laughs> Relapse ran an ad for like, I mean, how many years? I mean, years and years and yes. years. They, they had, had a the lock back, on the yeah, back, they had page. The back yeah. cover. And, you know, my um, batting average with Relapse at that point was pretty solid. And, sure. you know, the I, I loved the cover of Waves of Eritasia. 
Yes. And I liked the description of it. And I was like, well, you know, I think I can take a chance on this guy. And I did, and I loved it. And then I went and got Sweet X-Rated Nothing shortly thereafter. Then I um, went back and got um, Ignis Creatio and, and actually didn't um, – Twin Oblog kind of snuck up on me. I actually heard um, the title track on the uh, VHF, UHF compilation. <laughs> and I, I mean, You're I, such I, a nerd, I, man. I love you. Whatever, man. <laughs> I love it. But, I mean, I was, like, shocked by it. Um, I, once I like came to, I, I really liked it, but it was like, well, I mean, th- that's an odd track to introduce that album. It, yeah. And on that comp, you, for people that and don't know UHF VHF, I was at relapse when that came out, I actually wrote the liner notes and not, and which not a big deal. They're probably terrible, but, um, like, <laughs> I gotta go read those, man. I've got yeah, that. I think it was a promo only thing. I don't even know if it was sold in stores, but it was, we, we put those out in a huge number to attract people the way that corporate death kind of did, but corporate death was more of a, of a commercial product, I guess. Um, and UHF VHF, I remember that time. I wanted to tell you, tell that story at some point in this episode is that, uh, that was a time when Matt and Bill, the, the, the founders and main guys at relapse at the time and spiritually always will be, I think sure. they loved pyogenesis, even up to sweet X rated nothings. Um, when I first met Matt or well, second time I met Matt, he was, he had just gotten sweet X rated nothing on import before relapse, put it out because they were doing Nuclear Blast America at the time as well. And uh, so they loved Pyogenesis. Then, then they got Twin Ale Blood as an advance. Marcus from Nuclear Blast, Marcus Steiger, uh, sent it to them. And we all listened to it. And I was the only one at Relapse that loved it. Really? <laughs> and, and I came to them slow because my introduction to them was Waves of Eurotasia. I didn't like it. I actually gave it a kind of a bad review in my fanzine. And then uh, when I heard Sweet X-Rated, it all made sense. And then I went back, got that first EP on Osmos. Uh, loved everything. So I have to admit that they didn't, they refused to put out in the U S and part of that was because yeah, Marcus at nuclear blast was insisting that they put out twin L blood as the lead song and put that on that sampler along with what fucking Melbourne, Earthborn, and Naminax. I mean, <laughs> Naminax. you know, it doesn't make any sense. No, that's a very confusing compilation. <laughs> yeah. And even like with human remains and, yeah. and twin L blood. You know? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's well, it, it's just Twin Old Blood doesn't fit into any of it. And there's yeah. a lot of different things on that on that yeah. comp because they were a fairly diverse label, but always quite extreme. And then Twin Old Blood, the song, <laughs> which is as poppy as Pyogenesis was at this point. So, yeah, that's that's kind of all weird and interesting stuff. The only other Pyogenesis sort of aside I have is that I was at a uh, I was dealing with a dog that was seizuring. It was horrible. Damon, I think you met Damon. Yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah. In Virginia, this was in New York, and he was seizuring. We were in this um, uh, hospital in Manhattan at like 4 a.m. We had, it was like an overnight thing because that's what all, when you have problems with anything, it's when it's least convenient, right? No, of course, yeah. Uh, Bentley never, yeah, Bentley never has a seizure like when it's, yeah, like when we could easily get him to a vet. Right. So we were we took a taxi into uh, from Jersey into Manhattan to the nearest open animal emergency hospital, at least that we could find in that pre-internet day. And um, anyway, I just threw on a Pyogenesis shirt. I had the Sweet X-rated Nothing shirt. And it just said Pyogenesis <laughs> on, the, on the pocket print. And that was it. It wasn't really a badass shirt. It was just pretty subtle. And I'm standing there. We're checking out. We're all completely frazzled with this dog and worried because we love him, of course, and, and um, just having a terrible experience. And this lady goes, do you know what that means? And I'm like, what, what, what means? And she's like, on your shirt. I'm like, oh, uh, Pyogenesis? I was like, 
mm, not really. I'm not sure what the Pio is, you know? And she goes, it's the origin of the pus. And I just kind of like, we weren't in any shape to be reacting to anything like that. We couldn't like, you know, we couldn't like think straight. We were so tired and worried. And I thought, well, thanks. I appreciate you know, knowing this. And, uh, you know, I guess that's ha- that has to be the punchline. I have nothing else. That's but, um, pretty awesome. The origin of the pus. So I'll, I'll take her word for it. I haven't actually haven't looked that up, but I let's see if uh, anybody can relate to that in relation to their early stuff and then get into abstract life. Do you want to listen to that? Yes. Let's do it. We'll come back. Abstract life, man. I think this is where Tim's vocals harken back to the older stuff in, in a really cool way. Yeah. He's getting, the, he's getting down there. He's getting a bit guttural again. But, like, he does some pretty majestic stuff on that song, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good word for them. I think, uh, you know, early on, that's, that's something that typified, you know, your typical sort of gothic death doom, right? Right. Majesty. Sure. So, there you go. And also great, more great guitar tones. Yeah, thick. Do you watch Workaholics? I've seen it. I, I, I enjoy it. I haven't seen every episode. There's a really great episode where um, the guys are like going hunting. They kind of want to prove their manhood. <laughs> um, and they end up hunting, I think it's a squirrel outside of a gas station. <laughs> and um, you mentioned that the guitar tone of this was thick. <laughs> they, they like identify the squirrel like as their you know their kill and blake says that's a thick bitch <laughs> <laughs> that guitar tone is a thick bitch nice it, it is yeah it is <laughs> the album says produced by pyogenesis and no one else so i think they were pretty proud of <laughs> that's exactly what it says and that, well, that, pretty... that answers our question doesn't it yeah yeah do you want to mention the rhythm section here? Because we have Tim and Flo from the early days. They were the constants here. 
there was uh, Vola Meyer, who was the drummer. He was also on a Sweet X-Ray of Nothings, came in at that point, replaced their original drummer. And uh, I think a brand new bassist called Roman Shauncey, who, who replaced the original uh, Joe, as he's called. He's, <laughs> um, I think he had a nickname too, but I'm not going to bother looking that up, and I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, this guy, Roman Shauncey, Shauncey uh, a bassist, what was, didn't he have some kind of handicap? That, yeah, he has one, he literally has one hand. Yeah, and I think he plays. He, he has a, like his left hand is functional and he played with like a hook or something. Yeah, he had like a kind of a. Um, yeah, prosthetic. Prosthetic. He didn't really have uh, a hand proper or fingers and he would like stick a pick into um, his appendage. Which is and, badass. Uh, it's badass. And like if you listen to this album. Fiery, the reason, yeah. And really the reason I bring the rhythm section up, we don't always have to mention everybody that was ever in this band and every album, but this album, yeah, it has Flo and Tim. They're the, they're the focal points musically, aesthetically, everything. But the, the rhythm section on this album is particularly good. Oh, yeah. In a oh, way. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they play with, yeah, with a, a, a confidence that you don't get on. I mean, I, I guess it's the difference between like, I don't know, like Icon and draconian times or something because of the the drummer the drums yeah but the bass playing is really good too like i mean yeah. you know they they really bolster sweet x-rated nothings in this album um in a way that you don't get on the earlier stuff exactly I, yeah i think there's like the they, they kind of lock in together and then they bring right. to the song itself they, they bring this kind of tastiness that uh, like I, I like Chuck Biscuits and Erie Vaughn in the Danzig era and i think there are Danzig parallels in Pyogenesis's music at this point oh, for too. Sure. uh but but Biscuits and Erie Vaughn were even more solid, really more to the point. Like these guys are a little tastier maybe. Yeah, more and, musical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's, let's see if we hear that on the next couple songs. I want to listen to these two right in a row. Those Churning Seas, which is, of course, a callback, way callback to the uh, original demo, yep. which I always enjoyed. I thought that was a, a great little uh, bit of continuity. Continuity is everything. And then God Complex, which features probably my favorite refrain on the entire album. We'll talk about that as we get Love back. Love it. Yep. Those churning seas first and then God Complex. I remember
I, I feel like Matt and Bill at Relapse were right to not put this out on Nuclear Blast America at the time. Although I, I completely battled it and I had to write flow and say, dude, sorry, but they're passing and we're, we're not putting it out. And I'm sure Marcus has told you and all that. Uh, they were really disappointed, but I told them I loved it very much. But in hindsight, man, I just don't think it would have done well. I have to say, though, <laughs> that listening to God Complex, like if that was if that had come out and was pushed a little bit in the mid 90s, it might have actually gotten some traction. I agree. Yeah. That man. I think that's a highlight. I, in I fact, I think to say like that's the peak for me tonight. I think real time that just passed uh, Undead is my very favorite. I, I think I've always held those two together, but I don't know. God Complex has a lot more going on uh, just in terms of shifts. You know, it shifts yeah. a little more, which doesn't make it better necessarily, but uh, what a great song. Hey, th- those Churning Seas is great too. Yeah. Um, I love that like they use that earlier thematic, but like the, you know, the sound is like utterly removed. Sure. Sure, but maybe they—they they, maybe that was deliberate. Like, look, we—we we know we're going pretty far in four years, but let's still try to create a little bit of a link back to those days. Yeah, and I—I I, I feel like I want to walk back some of my comments about Tim. Like, the more that we're listening to this, like, the more impressed I am by him. It, yeah, it's like I, happening in real time. Well, also, yeah, also, I think that um, he's always been, probably for both of us, kind of a mood thing. Like, you're not always going to be in the Tim Asmodeus headspace, especially in this era. That's true. Uh, and there are probably other bands that we love that we're not always ready for, or maybe just... I'm not them. always, like, ready for Mr. Doctor, you know? Sure, but when you want Devil Doll, when you're really ready for that, nothing hits you deeper. Right. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's also a future episode here coming up, I, I guess, in, uh, what, five or six, seven? Yeah, thereabouts. Something like that. We have the next 20 laid out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun if you, uh, if you enjoy this nonsense. Yeah, what can we say, man? That's, uh, that's, and, and the album really gets better as it goes, I think. I mean, it's an album littered with curiosities, too, though. I mean, like, it, it's, a lo- it's a long album. It's 13 songs. Yeah. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it rewards uh, patient listening. It re- rewards revisits. Uh, it, it, do, it doesn't give all of its gifts away immediately. That's for sure. The, uh, I don't know if you have the Digipack version, but that's got a bonus track on it called Mutz Umst Urban, which I, Urban. I have that version. You do? I do. Yeah, that's probably the only one people could get because it didn't come out in the States and it was like it had to be imported. And I think this might have been the only version. So it's one of those bonus tracks. It's like lives on the, the, the album itself. So, But it's interesting. We're going to play it now rather than at the end. This is obviously a departure, obviously a bonus track, but I, th- I wish they would have sort of kicked out maybe one song and put this in. And if they did kick out a song, is there one that you might have wanted them to kick out? Uh, um, I can't say bar in for now because that's just sort of a, a segue. Um, I could probably do without Empty Space. Uh, that would be mine or Addiction Pole. I don't care for that one. Yeah, I, I like Addiction Pole more than I like Empty Space. Sure. And it could be a mood thing. I'm sure there have been times that yeah, I like Addiction Pole. I don't think I've ever loved Empty Space, but yeah, let's listen to Mutz Umst Urban, the one we wish would have maybe uh, replaced Empty Space. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready because we got some great Tim Asmodeus coming up here.
Yeah, do we hear uh, sort of a, a vocal callback to the really early stuff there? For sure. But, like, we also hear more – like, that reminds me a lot of a typo interlude. Um, uh, you, yeah. you get, like, that industrial clanging. You get the, the crowd noise, which sounds to me kind of like an homage to maybe Leibach or something. Sure. Yeah. Or the angry oh, yeah, riot. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the angry riot that Typo was portraying on the like Origin of the Feces and uh, some stuff on Bloody Kisses. Yeah, for sure. So with with that song and kind of everything else we've listened to, how do these guys fit in the mid '90s alt rock world? That's something that you probably have a pretty good view on because you're a huge fan of that stuff. You your formative musical years were in that time. Like like, how does this land for you? Not just personally, but like sort of in the in the scope of where alt rock was at at that time. I mean, this album could not have been made at any other time than like the mid '90s. Mm. Like that collision of influences, you know. It was it was a time when it was a very permissive time when um, a, I guess bands sort of let down their guard and you know allowed influences to stream in from everywhere. Um, and you know, I mean, these guys were listening, you know, they were a metal band listening to a lot of other things. And like, that's a, um, it's a, it's a weird relationship because you have a choice, like, you know, either you sort of preserve your metal chassis and sort of layer these influences on top of that, or you just surrender it and you allow some of those other things, um, to become dominant influences rather than subordinate. And I think the and, challenge there, so, sorry, but I think the challenge there is like, are you genuine or disingenuine? Right. Know? Right. And I mean, I, I like they were, I think genuine listeners, but like, and I, I think they were kind of true to themselves and I, I feel like they still loved heavy sounds, but they were obviously, I mean, it, it's telling, I mean, you know, when you get to, you know, the, um, uh, love nation sugar head EP and then unpop, like they were obviously going somewhere else. Right. I do have to say, and I guess we'll get to this, but it it's kind of fits with the end of this episode because we're getting to the last clip, which is Super Venus. They also had a song that uh, ended the album called um, I'm Coming. Uh, that's a great one. That's a slow burn, sort of just goodbye and uh, tails off. And we have the peak that was Pyogenesis, Twin Hill Blood. But Un- Unpop was the follow-up and it went way more in the pop punk direction. It actually happens to have a song that I kind of consider my favorite Pyogenesis song, which is Love Nation Sugarhead. Oh, it's amazing. Terrible song title, but it's, it, it is nothing less than amazing. You're right. Um, but God. I first, the, the first time I heard that was actually on a CMJ comp. Do you remember like the CMJ used to like have the CD yeah. every month? Yeah. And it was like really, I mean, it was like, I remember getting the CMJ. It was like Pyogenesis on a CMJ comp. <laughs> and, but it was like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's based on a breakbeat, which like at the time you had, you know, groups like Prodigy and Fatboy Slim and Chemical Brothers, you know, importing like breakbeat culture into popular music. And yeah. it was like a really perfect union of those things. It and was it's, perfect. It's still heavy and it's got the Moog and it is a, it really is, it is a perfect song. I wish we would have, would have put the Moog and Synthors. That's a, that's a favorite Moog line of mine. Um, and well, it should have, and it should there'll have worked. There'll be another episode, so. Yes, true. Okay. Uh, you're right, you're right. We'll do Synthors part two as we will Badass Fusion Decapitations part two, I think. But anyway, um, I feel like Love Nation Sugarhead should have been huge with everything you've said and kind of the, the, the climate that it was in as you laid out. But it wasn't. It just, and I don't know how it did in Europe or Germany. I don't think it did great. 
I feel like that song is so perfect and so perfect for the time that it should have been huge. It, it just wasn't. Um, I, I read this Leprous interview and um, Einar was talking, uh, he, he quoted Devin Townsend and Devin Townsend said that like, like playing metal is like doing porn. Like you can never undo that. True. You're, you're always going to be a porn star. Or you're always going to be a metal band. And yeah. I kind of feel like that stigma, um, you know, weighted down pyogenesis. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, it's tethered anathema to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were just kind of trapped there, which Absolutely. is unfortunate because they could have broken out. Absolutely. C- couldn't agree more. Good point. Let's listen to Super Venus. This is one that's a little bit uh, of, a, of a bone of contention with us. I don't love this. You love this. I, now, I, I feel like we're kind of on the same page. This, this song has amazing moments. Um, it does. But it has some not so amazing. I, I guess. I guess my yeah. I guess I have a bigger sticking point with w- the the chorus, and therefore it's hard for me to sort of relate to it as a great song. But yes, the rest of it is actually pretty good. But as you'll hear, the uh, the chorus has the line, "You're my super weenus, babe," and it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just with the accent it just hardly works for me but i mean the rest of it does hate to drag it down why don't you uh why don't you send us off with it because you can probably do it a lot more justice than i can yeah i, lo- I love like the reason that um i wanted to include this one is I, I really like the intro um i feel like it sort of tells you where the band's going after this i love the way that they transition out of the intro and drag down the tempo and where it goes from there jeff says the chorus not exceptional um <laughs> So anyway, with that said, Oh my-
essentially blighted by about three seconds you win i'll give it a pass yeah i mean the rest the rest of it's pretty great right yeah you're right yeah, i mean like a, tim made a huge miscalculation with the chorus there <laughs> but i mean the rest of it is pretty awesome miscalculation is the best <laughs> word ever yeah so yeah man where did they go after this uh we talked about unpop a little bit really really unbalanced album with you know love nation sugarhead being their best song ever uh and then like a lot of stuff that just does not hold up i i really i don't have that album anymore yeah i don't either um because lo like love nation sugarhead has all the best shit from the album too the um, ep it's got like a silver experience silver experience is great, great uh, song. martin walkier from sabbath and skyclad actually appears on that ep yeah <laughs> kind of wild uh, <laughs> yeah yeah uh after that uh mono which i completely slagged in metal maniacs in a very short angry review um hate that album tim left and then i think four or five years later they came out with an album called she makes me wish i had a gun also useless they they languished for a while at some yeah, point flow's the only original member now flow is now the only original member they've released two albums i haven't listened to them until somewhat recently i i you know obviously very cautious because of the uh, the turn in direction toward pure like pop punk right right and uh i've listened to them and i the only thing i can say about them is it's interesting it's just like it's kind of like when somebody comes to your house and has some you serve them some food they don't really care for at all and they're like the best they can say is Oh, this interesting. is interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think about the, I can't get my head around what they're trying to do with these. They, they really confuse me. There are these uncomfortable collisions rather than the seamless mutation. that is the great twin ill blood. It's, it's both like a mutation and a summary of everything that came before. But I wish flow well. And I apologize to him still for not being able to help uh, Matt and Bill come around on twin ill blood for the U S. Yeah. What, what are you, what are you going to do? Change so far. Something's not the same. That there's some more, but only getting high. They should change their mind. Please contact us via email. Uh, we want to hear from you can email us and you can also give us donations because this stuff is not free time is not free this takes a uh, quite a bit of time we love to do it it's a passion project and we love all our listeners but uh donating will help us improve the quality of this show with each episode we really need kind of help in that area so um write to us but write to us and let us know how terrible you thought pyogenesis was or how great Panthemonium is or in any other osmos band you want to comment on would be great and uh you know. <laughs> If you like Peaceville, we're down with that too. That email and PayPal ID are the same. Radical Research Podcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for Radical Research 23. We will survey the curious world of art rock, at least the sort of art rock uh, by Radical Research's definition. Kind of a strain of bands who took the groundwork laid by the Beatles, 
David Bowie, Queen, 10CC, and Roxy Music, and made really good use of quirk along with kind of pop sensibility and prog rock edges. I've joked with Hunter that it's kind of my ginkor, I suppose. I'm, I'm still waiting on you, Hunter, to come up with a, uh, some, some sort of nomenclature for this genre. But I will have a neologism prepared for the episode. Neologism. Thanks for showing me up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, and there's a lot of bands in this strain that I just absolutely love and I'm crazy for. This is sort of my third love next to like metal prog and art rock is sort of the third. Rather than watering down this really fascinating, hard to pin down realm, uh, we're going to focus on five of the best in that universe. Crack the Sky, Bebop Deluxe, Godly Cream, Split Ends, and Max Webster. I'm Hunter Ginn. Jeff Wagner. Keep metal weird. Keep prog weird. Stay normal, Hunter. Never. <laughs>